Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Natural Thoughts and Talks. I really appreciate it. And this week we got a really good one for you. It's basically somebody who I really looked up to for a few years now. He's put together a body of work of about 30 years plus of first responding experience. And basically he's an expert in preparation. His line of work basically makes it mandatory that if you're not prepared to respond to certain situations, the ultimate consequences can arise. You can lose your life, you can lose your partner's life, you can potentially put others at risk, and he's somebody who has basically succeeded not only career-wise, but he has a great family. He's extremely healthy. He's both physically and mentally. So without further ado, I would like to introduce Vince Osorio. What's up? What's up? How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. How's your morning treating you? It's pretty good. I see you got your little castle here. You're uh, you're the big man in charge, or what? Huh? Where are you at right now, <laughs> Captain? Right? Yeah. So uh, I'm a I'm the operations captain here at Gardena PD, um, which means that basically anyone who's in uniform and out in the field uh, works with me, and you know that includes our uh, mainly our patrol officers, um, everything down to our canine teams, our SWAT team, um, our riot control team, which is uh, South Bay pl- uh, Platoon. And then our um, uh, negotiations team also. Okay. And, and, and then everybody in between. Yeah. So everybody reports to you, huh? And uh, <laughs> like you said, you were saying early that it's pretty crazy because you used to uh, used to get punished in this office, huh? And now you're the guy on the other side of the bench. Tell me about that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about punished, but uh, I did get yelled at a few times in this office, mm-hmm. you know, growing up as a copier. Um, try not to... Uh, you know, one of the big things, you know, growing up in, you know, this organization organization or anywhere else is you learn from, you know, your leaders of the past, right? So I always promised myself, you know, if I if I found a good example, yeah, I'm going to emulate this guy. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. If I found a bad example, which, you know, obviously we, you know, every, de- every department, every company has them, I always promised myself I, I will never repeat this type of, you know, um, activity or, you know, in carrying out any type of, you know, discipline or, uh, you know, warnings or that kind of thing. And I wouldn't, um, you know, I wouldn't be that guy. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that I've been taking with me as well is sometimes it's uh, knowing what not to do is just as important as knowing what to do. Sometimes having those bad examples, you need them. And it's the people who are, have the ability to sort of identify that, recognize it and be able to go left when those people are going right that end up being successful in the long term. And that's a great segue into longevity. This is my biggest thing that I admire about you. I appreciate you. How old are you right now? Uh, 53. 53. And right now you and I are about the same. You know what I mean? You look (laughs) like maybe it takes you a little slower to get up in the morning, but you talk about, I see you on Instagram lifting the deadlifts and, you know, getting after it at what, four or five in the morning. You're, uh, you're on a schedule and like, 
that's one of the things we're learning learning my body right now is I've really been in a transitional phase sort of like what am I going to do physically that's going to keep me in as good a shape as you are into my early 50s right so like tell us about what are some of the things that you do morning routine what is a typical workout for you look like um how how you feeling when your alarm clock goes off in the morning do you even need an alarm clock Seems um, like you don't. It seems like <laughs> you just wake everybody else up. That's what it seems like. Well, we, uh, you know, obviously being on a schedule, you, after a while, your body just kind of adjusts and, you know, you get up at, you know, whether it's five or six or whatever it is on your own, you know, a couple minutes before the alarm clock. I still set it just in case. Cause there are those nights when you get home and it's just like, well, I'm going to bed and, uh, you know, I'm done. Right. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I try to get up and get a workout in, you know, at least five or six times a week. You know, I, I rest on the weekends every once in a while. Um, and I, I think as far as my workouts now, uh, just like you, they're kind of in a transition, you know, because obviously my body's telling me, hey, you shouldn't be lifting this much. You shouldn't be doing this. You know, mm -hmm. and my wife's telling me the same thing, <laughs> right? Um, you know, we joke at the house because, you know, Snap, Crackle, Pop used to be a cereal. Now it's me getting out of bed. <laughs> so... Um, but yeah, so, you know, we, I, I try to switch it up every day, you know, um, you know, when we were younger, obviously, you know, strength was the big thing. Um, now I try to mix in, uh, a, you know, a cardio, some cardio in the morning. Uh, you know, we just got a new, um, stationary bike, you know, with all the TV screen and all that madness on it. So that helps. Uh, and then, you know, when I get home from work, you know, we'll throw the sandbag around or, you know, hit the, the weights and, you know, like you said, do some squats, deadlifts, those things that will help maintain balance over the years. I, th I think that that's the biggest goal because, you know, when you talk about people getting a little more elderly, whenever you hear about them getting hurt, it's because, you know, they fell and mm -hmm. then, you know, they had to get a hip replaced or a knee replaced or whatever it was. And, you know, that, that core strength is what maintains your balance. So um, everything is kind of geared towards that now. Yeah. Sort of, sort of keeping your body, whereas it used to be uh, exploding your body. You're, you're transitioning from explosions to more of a keeping, keeping yourself from falling and snap crackling and popping. Oh, no, then, absolutely, huh? yeah. Yeah, so that's super cool. And like I said, coolest thing is you got your own little like dungeon down there in the garage. <laughs> yeah. And that's something that I know the first thing I'm going to put in when I get a house is just to make sure we get a good, good platform, a good rack, all the whole nine. Nothing fancy, but just I love how you guys have it. You keep the... Uh, the energy and like the culture, just in that tiny little garage, you go in that garage and you go, oh yeah, no, people put work in here. This is what it's about. And that's, that's really amazing. And, um, I think really the, the genre that I want on this podcast is mm -hmm. preparation is key and yeah. it's as important and how you prepare your body is how you prepare for your career, how you work your careers, how you work your family. You know what I mean? Yes. All that stuff. These are like theories of mine that I've seen that, you know, they're not in practice yet because this stuff is 10 years down the road for me, 15. So that's what I want to talk about is like maybe start off with uh, balancing, like how do you balance the work-life stuff? How do you maybe not work too hard? Because a lot of the mentors that I'm having right now have really sort of pushed on like, hey, yes, work hard, but also take that time to not work too hard, buddy. Because like I have that discipline within myself built and stuff that my parents, you know, people like you were able to instill in me in my childhood that I want to know like when is it when do you sort of turn it off and what are some things that you do when you come home from a long day's work to really stay important and stay present within your family so 
you know, when you talk about work-life balance, you know, obviously that's that's huge these days, right? Uh, and first, I want to thank you. For, so, you know, you giving me a compliment about instilling anything in you, that, that's huge. So, you know, thank you very much for that. Um, but I, I think, so when I was a young cop, I would come home and, you know, we were doing big things. You know, we thought we were doing big things, you know, chasing people, arresting bad guys, doing all that stuff. And I'd come home and that would be all that I would talk about. And then, you know, my wife and kids would look at me like, well, are, hey, are you done? Are you, you know? done? Yeah. So uh, way back when, we, we came to kind of an agreement. You know, even if it was a super exciting day, 15, 20 minutes tops when I got home. Okay. And that was it. That was it for cop talk, unless something else came up, right? I like yeah. that. Cop Top. You might have to yeah. start a podcast called Cop Talk. <laughs> that's actually, we're going to put that one in the, stick a nail in that. We're going to circle back to that. But Cop, okay. that's a really, I like that. Go ahead. All right. Thanks. But um, so that, you know, this, hey, this was my day. Um, and then, you know, obviously we talk about how everyone was doing at work or at school or, you know, now it's, you know, well, how's the grandson doing, Wyatt? And, and you know, what was he up to today? All those things, right? And you know, again, we talked about examples earlier. I've had a lot of good examples for, for marriage and family life, and then I've seen a lot of bad examples too. And again, you have to learn from those bad examples. So I've, I've done my, I, I think I've done my best to try and uh, keep that balance between, you know, this place and, and going home. It's a little harder now because when, you know, when you're a, a brand new cop, you come to work, you do your job, and then you go home. And then as you rise up through the organization, obviously there are more things that you're connected to, uh, you know, cell phones. At the same time, they're the best thing on the planet and they're the absolute worst thing on the planet. Yeah. Because they can always find you, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, now, you know, if we have a big incident here and I'm off, and this goes for anybody, you know, from an organization, you know, basically from lieutenants on up. If, you know, some, if the big one hits, we're all coming back in. Or we're getting, we're giving advice on what to do or, you know, moving logistics around to try and make sure that the guys here who are doing the, the, the hard work have everything they need to get it done. So there's always a little bit of, you know, a connection there. Yeah. You're carrying more weight now at this stage and it's kind of following you around a little bit. So it's harder basically, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Another thing too, I love it when you talk about the internet, right? Because only old people talk about the internet. So go ahead and put, <laughs> let's, let's put me in a time machine right now and let's go back. We'll get into the internet, but just it, it, it exists. This is my life. Like, yes. you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't have any concept of, oh, before the internet, well, well this is how we used to do things. Right. You guys love to tell me that stuff. And it's like, I don't care. Like, I just, <laughs> I don't, why are we talking about like, it's just, oh yeah, yeah. My, the trucks now have Wi-Fi. Like, yeah, I don't yeah. know what you want me to say other than like, <laughs> it's good. It seems, oh no, it's not. You're not towing as much as you do. Oh, sorry, there's cameras, dad. You know what I mean? Right, like, yeah. why don't we use them? You know what I mean? Like, so it's just funny. Let's go ahead and sort of get into like your origin story um maybe uh where'd you go to high school at where are where are you originally from well i actually i was uh born in florida okay my, my dad was in the navy and then we moved out here when he got restationed and you know i, I basically grew up here in the south bay yeah uh went to bishop montgomery high school oh okay yeah. i didn't know that that's awesome yeah. yeah so you're oh from the south bay oh then, yeah yeah that's yeah. awesome you've been around a while um, so you went to high school. What'd you do after high school? Did you go straight into the, um, academy, the military? How did, which one came? Well, um, I did a little bit of college, okay. uh, spent some time in, in the military. And then when I got out, I, 
uh, worked in the private sector and I did a few different things. Um, but I always, you know, wanted to be, uh, some type of first responder. And while I was working at Sam's club, actually here in Gardena, I, I got to meet a couple of the cops who would work there, uh, on overtime and got, you know, started talking to them. And, you know, it was always in the back of my mind. In fact, a couple of Christmases ago, my mom gave me a cassette tape and she said, play it. So I went ahead and played it. And it was me at like, I don't know, four or five years old, chasing my kid brother around saying, get your hands up, you're under arrest. And my, and you know, that was her way of showing, Hey, you've always wanted to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, uh, you know, I, I obviously went through the testing and, and all that. Um, didn't have a degree at that point. Um, did have a family at that point. So I, you know, obviously my focus was on working so I could support them. And then, uh, I got picked up in, uh, 1995, uh, went to the sheriff's academy, spent, um, six months there and then came out here, did my field training. And then, you know, I, I guess the rest is history. When you, not, not the rest is history. <laughs> so hold on now. Don't skip over that. I know you're, you're a humble guy. You like to just get it. We're getting into it though. So it's like, what, what were some of the things that you were worried about as you were making that decision? What were like the pros and the cons of deciding to become a first responder? Was there anything you were nervous about? What were you excited about? Things like that when you remember. What was so 1994 or sort of around this time period, the yes. early 90s at least. Yes. When you, so you had already had your family. When was your, um, your first child born? So our, uh, our oldest is uh, our daughter, and she was born in 1989. Okay. So we, how um, old were you? How old were you? <laughs> we, were, we, we had kids early. Well, our first kid early. We were uh, 19 and 20 when we first had her. Okay, yeah. So that's able to, we're able to put things in perspective yeah. of like, that's my biggest thing is my parents were 22 too. So they were in college okay. when they had me 20, you know, 21, 22. So I think that I was able to learn from people like you mm-hmm. on to be like, okay, these are the pros of having your kids early. And then this also comes with the, you know, you're, you're really broke when I was a kid. Like I remember you know, some of like <laughs> yeah. the, the angles that my parents would have to work to like make certain things happen. Oh, yeah. And it's like you, there's a difference between when you're taking risk for yourself versus mm-hmm. taking risk for your family. And that's something that I'm, I don't even have a concept of understanding right now. So it's like, walk me through that as far as you're sort of finding your way into the sheriff's department at, you know, in the early 90s with a child. Were you worried about um, maybe things not working out or did you see it as more of a positive thing? How committed were you, I think, is my question going in. So, uh, yeah, so it's 1995. Um, I can tell you now because, I, you know, when we were raising our first uh, child, um, you know, like you said, you know, you're broke. You're, you're, you're in your early twenties, you know, you're working odd jobs. Uh, my wife was in school at the time and we, um, I, I, th- I remember one specific Christmas where I was, I worked like three different jobs because I wanted to get some, you know, really nice gifts for our, our my wife and my, my daughter. Um, and then I remembered when that was done thinking to myself, this ain't ever happening again. And, you know, then I started looking at, you know, I knew I had to commit to something. I knew I had to, you know, move forward. I had, you know, I have a, had a background in martial arts and, uh, customer service and all these other things. And there wasn't anything really super specific that, you know, it, it all applied to. And, you know, and again, I started talking to some of the officers here and a, a few of my friends who were, who I was trained in martial arts with, who were, uh, with the sheriff's department. 
And, you know, it kind of pointed me in that direction. So, you know, I started testing. Uh, I finally got picked up in um, early 1995. And a funny story there because the day that I came in for my, my chief's interview, which is the last portion of your hiring process, I came in here. Uh, at the time, Chief Propster was, was the, the man in charge. Uh, and I always thank him for, you know, hiring me and giving me the opportunity well, you know, I, I, when we left here, I went to a payphone because we didn't, you know, cell phones were, you know, few and far between at that point you mm-hmm. know, for most of us, right? So I, I called my wife and I said, hey, uh, I got hired, uh, but I have to go to work, which was at, uh, at that point the Sam's Club in Torrance. And so she called, you know, she, she's telling me she's happy for me and everything. And she says, hey, I'm not feeling good. I need to, uh, I'm, I'm probably going to go to the doctor. Okay. So, you know, I told her, well, you know, just fly by work because the, the doctor's office was right by Sam's Club in Torrance. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, just let me know what happens after. So, you know, I'm, I'm on cloud nine. I'm getting hired. I'm getting ready to, you know, our, our regional manage, managers coming in. I'm getting ready to drop the bomb on her because, again, she was one of those examples of bad leadership. Mm. And, you know, and... <laughs> um, and I'm, you know, I'm ready to, you know, put my two weeks in and do all the other stuff. And then my wife comes in uh, a little bit after lunch and she goes, Hey, uh, everything went well at the doctor. I go, okay, good. She goes, all, I got some news. I go, okay, what's the news? And she says, well, we're going to have another baby. Mm. So now, you know, I'm in this emotional vortex where every, yeah. <laughs> everything is spinning, uh-huh. right? It's like, oh my God, we're going to, you know, we're going to have another baby. I'm just starting the the sheriff's academy. And, you know, at that point, I think my biggest fear was, what if I go in there and I, and I don't make it? What if I wash out? Uh-huh. So, you know, I had to commit to myself. I go, you know what? There's nothing that's going to stop me from getting through this academy. And, you know, I don't care if it, you know, if it was an injury or a sickness or whatever it was, I was going to make it through. And, you know, thankfully, when, I, when we started the academy, so I got picked up here at Gardena, but they sent me to the, uh, the Sheriff's Academy for basic training. The, the squad that I was with, uh, and I, actually the whole class, really, was, was a really good class. And, you know, we supported each other going through, going through training. Um, a lot of us are still on the job, and, and a lot of us are still very good friends. Um, you know, it, it's, it's still weird to me, you know, even almost 30 years later, to be able to turn the TV on and go, oh, my God, that's Cliff on TV. Mm. Or, you know, hey, that's, that was Kamal on that helicopter, you know, that kind of thing. And, um, you know, I'm just glad to have had this, this opportunity. It's been a great ride. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And I think one of my favorite things is, um, just hearing the, like you're looking back on, just knowing that it worked out. I think that's what it is. It's like, (laughs) just knowing, just the story still makes me nervous. Like when you bring us back there and I'm just like, uh Oh, what's about to happen? Payphone, stuff like that. But as an early cop, how did you, what are the differences between being a cop back in the early nineties versus being a cop today? What type of uh, technologies or protocols are you noticing or some like the biggest differences between policing what 20, 30 years ago versus Mm -hmm. today? So I, I, Obviously, it's changed a lot uh, during my time here. When I first started, you know, we were doing all the same things that today's cops are doing. So we, we were responding to calls and taking reports and, you know, helping people out and doing all those things. But we had to do it differently. So every report that I wrote as a brand new cop was on a piece of paper with pencil. How long and, are these reports? And, I, mean, I hear the, reports, they take a while, right? Yeah. I mean, you, you, you have some where, you know, it's a one-pager. 
and you get into something a little more complex, you know, whatever it might be, and you know, a, you know, a shooting or a murder or whatever it is, and now you're talking, you know, 10, 12 pages. So after every incident that you respond to, there is a report, right? Uh, yeah, depending on on the type of crime. You know, obviously there are some incidents that we respond to that won't need a report, mm-hmm. but anything that has to be documented for prosecution, yeah, we'll, we'll take a report then. So how long did this pen and paper way take then? Like how many <laughs> hours out of your day or what, oh, what yeah. was it? Um, so, you know, one of the things we do as um, new officers is obviously you want to get exposed to as much as you can. So our, our field training officers would take us and we would respond to pretty much everything. And, you know, which is it's great for the senior guys because it, it kind of takes some of the load off them because obviously new guy has to learn any, everything anyway, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we were taking, you know, five, six reports a night, depending on, on the, uh, the call load for the shift, sometimes more. You know, so like I said, some, some reports are shorter, some reports are longer. Um, and I think if I remember correctly, write, or writing with um, the pencil, that that carried on at least in my career for an, at least another five or six years. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's definitely like just I don't understand having pen and paper. Like, why didn't you guys have a computer? You know what I mean? Why well, didn't you, the, yeah, when it, did the computer come into yeah, effect? Yeah, great question, right? Because obviously there were computers around, mm-hmm. but back then, you know, there are things you know we had to worry about. Well, not us as new guys, but um, our administrators had to worry about budgets and logistics and you know just how to how to equip a, a full department with computers and and all the other things that come with them you know obviously computer support and then you have your IT and and all those things well i think it was right around 2000 2001 you know we we got these crazy computers where it was like this is awesome cuz you know we had we had boxes in the car where we could receive calls and and you know read printouts and things like that but um for report writing we didn't have a, an actual report writing room or, or with computers up until right around 2000, 2001. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, <clears throat> all right. So you were basically kind of like the last sort of generation of cop to have to deal with that. And then yeah. new stuff started coming in. And then that's when like that technological wave just started yeah. taking off and things got faster, bigger in all industries, not just, you know, policing, right. just t- yeah. everything. I think I want to know is like, what are some of the qualities that you look for? Obviously you have a, extensive background in training right can you what you want to tell us about sort of your like behind the scenes in uh building and um training new cops like the next generation of police officers yeah so i you know i've been lucky i've been able to do a lot of different jobs here um but i think my favorite has always been you know being part of our training cadre so i i've trained people in defensive tactics um in in, in tactics and SWAT operations and, and a few other things, uh, you know, tasers and handguns and, and rifles and, you know, everything in between. And it's been, it's been super fun. But, um, and, you know, I was a field training officer for a, a number of years. Uh, I actually did it a couple different times. But we, um, so our, our officers will come in and they have, uh, they'll have basic, you know, training from a, a sheriff's or police academy under their belt. And then they come to us and they do a, a two-week orientation, which kind of introduces them to a little bit of everything we do. Uh, you know, we we have them uh, learn how the jail works. We have them learn, um, we, we make sure that, you know, they're up to date in their defensive tactics and taser work and, and a bunch of other things. Um, but yeah, in bringing up new officers, um, 
you know, obviously we're looking for uh, a lot of different things in them. You know, uh, it, it used to be, I, I remember way back when, you know, th they had height requirements for cops. You had to be six feet tall or, or taller and, you know, you had to be this strong. Was that something and, you worried about? Uh, not not at the point where I was testing, but uh, I remember growing up hearing those stories. Oh, okay. Yeah. In fact, um, there, there's a the legend of uh, of Chuck Norris. Um, apparently, in the '60s, he tested for Torrance PD, but he's not six feet tall. How tall is Chuck Norris? Yeah, uh, he's I don't know, five nine, five ten, maybe. Maybe we should fact check that. Yeah, thing. let's look it up. But um, he wasn't six feet. And, you know, he didn't uh, get accepted, which I, I think worked out That's for a good him. thing, yeah. yeah. <laughs> good thing yeah. Chuck Norris wasn't a cop. <laughs> he wouldn't have been who he is. Yeah. Huh? Let's see here. Chuck Norris height. He is, oh, 5'10". Yeah. Oh, that's, see? okay. Oh, you're 5'10". You couldn't be a police officer. Right, yeah. what? You know. That doesn't make any sense. And, and that, that was, you know, that was a little more than, what, 50 years ago, right? Yeah. So a couple generations of cops ago. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know... Obviously now things have changed. Uh, over even even in the time that I've been here, our our workload has changed. You know, it 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 isn't just chasing bad guys, um, taking reports, towing cars, or, or doing those kind of things. Now you know there's we're, uh, there are a lot more issues that we have to deal with. We have you know obviously the mental health yeah. is huge. Uh, so our officers are, are trained in how to respond to mental health situations. We actually have a a, a joint car between us and Hawthorne PD, which is our uh, Gardena Hawthorne mental evaluation team. And the officers that work that team actually ride around with the clinician uh, who's uh, assigned to us from the county. And they go around and, you know, they're the primary handlers on our um, mental health calls. I think that's really good. Yeah. Like that's really something that I feel was needed for a long time, oh, especially yeah. in LA. And I think that as we see more and more of those, um, you know, mental health crisis responders come up, it'll, I, I don't see how it would uh, hurt anything. You know what I mean? It's going right, to only yeah. make things better. So yeah. I think the next thing I want to get into <clears throat> is where, what are some of the key qualities that you find in a good candidate for a first responder? And where would you recommend that somebody maybe just listening on the podcast, maybe a young guy like me who is interested, would go to potentially take the first steps in um, becoming a candidate for something like that? Well, um, I, you know, and this is all personal, but I, I think, you know, obviously you have to have the ability to learn and, and the, um, the desire to learn. Um, you know, we, we get a lot of guys and girls who apply and, you know, they come from they got great back backgrounds, right? You know, they're, we here, just here at the department, we have, you know, former D1 athletes. We have uh, uh, military um, or former military. Uh, we, in, in, when I think about our military personnel here at the department, we have a wide range. We have um, pretty much every branch represented. Um, we have a, a former Green Beret oh. who, who works with us, a uh, really great guy. Um, we have uh, one of our, our female officers is um, slated. She's she's still in the Army Reserves, and she's slated to be uh, a sergeant major. Okay. Which is you know it's it's the highest enlisted rank, and uh, you know and she's still doing this job, and you know great lady, you know, um, but um, I, I think when you're looking at those things that the, the makeup you want for um, for an officer, 
they, they have to, again, they have to, you know, have the desire and the ability to, to learn. Um, you want someone who is, you know, obviously physically fit, uh, mentally fit, and someone who has the ability to, to actually talk to people. You know, we, you know, we, over the last few years have noticed that our, um, the, the way that we deal with people has to change. You know, we had to, um, obviously be a little more empathetic. Um, you know, there, you know, again, there are mental health issues. There are, um, there are a lot of different issues out there and, you know, we, we come into contact with all of them at some point during our careers. So, you know, the, I think the the greater ability to adapt to you know situations and you know just you know you know to be able to train and be ready for those things mm-hmm. th- those are the things we're we're looking for you know we don't necessarily want the 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 strongest person or the super smartest person we want someone kind of in between who's got a good mix of those things yeah 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 and i want to talk about you so you touched on staying mentally fit yeah what are some of the things that you found best throughout your career that keep you in tip top uh keep your brain healthy keep you just continuing to grow and uh at least keep what you have and gain on new things so you know obviously uh as part of our development here at the department we send out officers send officers out sorry to, um, you know, different training classes for, you know, updates and, you know, criminal law and procedures and, uh, you know, uh, training and, you know, and whatever, right, uh, which, which helps you to grow here. But I found that on the outside, you know, you have to do the same thing in your personal life. You can't just rely on, you know, what your job is feeding you. So outside, you know, obviously I, I spend a lot of time with my family and, you know, I, <laughs> trust me, I, I do a lot of learning from them. Mm. You know, and 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 I'm sure they're learning from me on how to deal with different situations, right? Um, you know, then then you have podcasts, which which are great, and you know I've listened to yours, and you know they're they're very good, by the way. Thank you. Um, you know, uh, do I when I'm in the car, uh, you know, I, I tend not to listen just to the radio or to music, uh, so I'm listening to you know um, audiobooks. From, you know, I, I try to listen to a lot of different things. You know, one week I'll listen to something from, you know, the the genre of, you know, preparation or um, training. And then, you know, maybe the next week I'll listen to something, you know, a little older. Like, you know, you talked about um, uh, Miyamoto Musashi on one of your podcasts. Yeah. You know, so I, I it was weird timing because I just started listening again yeah. to, to an update. Yeah, that's a, I love, that's like when I'm into those deep, uh, like philosophical ones, I can't, you just, there's no way you can just read it once and, uh, and assume that you're going to get everything. There's books where you got to go back three, four five times and go, how did I not see this at the first stage? And something that, not to cut you off, I'll let you get back into it. But one of my biggest things is I'm so interested in looking back sort of at certain books that maybe I read four and five years ago, yeah. rereading it at a different stage in my life. Let's say uh, I've moved in with my girlfriend. Now we have our apartment over here and my girlfriend, Hannah, like she's not a co-host of this podcast. <laughs> yeah. That's right. So me and Hannah obviously have moved in and I'll reread a certain book and I'll be like, oh, I get that. Like, this is how I deal with uh, a potential argument that we were going to have. Maybe I just need to open up a little bit more. And this is what right. he's saying right here. This is what he means by this path of... 
You know what I mean? By mastering one thing, you can now use it in 10,000 other things, for example. You know what I mean? And it's like, that's the stuff that I'm into. And right now, I'm definitely big on... Let me pull it up right now. I believe it's Adam Grant's uh, Give and Take. I don't know if you've read that one, but... My uh, my former coach recommended it a few episodes ago, so I finally was able to get into it this month. And okay. it's basically just about the importance of um, givers and takers. Mm-hmm. And he, he went on to it about this podcast, but I'm finally getting into it. And he was like, once I read this book, it was one of those like uh, – it hits you like a truck moments. Oh, and wow. I love okay. those books where for him, that's what it was. And, you know, I mean, for me, I'm interested, but there's certain like one of my favorite books is Tony Robbins, um, Awaken the Giant Within. Right, yeah. That's I read that one in high school and it was just like, oh, this kind of puts you here. I want to hear about some of your maybe like top three, top five. There doesn't have to be a number, but maybe it's just one. What is that book where you can pull out where you're like, oh, this had the answers to what I needed at this stage in my life? Can you remember? So, you know, obviously there are a couple couple different ones um you know you talk about you know book of five rings um obviously the art of war you know i, I try to read that every couple of years uh, and and like you said you know when you can read it one time at you know a, a certain stage in your life and then read it another time maybe a, a f- even just a few months later right and you get a totally different uh, understanding of what they're trying to say uh but i i uh, one of uh, one of my top books, I think, is um, it's actually a book a friend of mine gave me. It's it's over there uh, in my uh, my little library. It's called Bruce Lee's Striking Thoughts, oh. and he's got a bunch of different things. And you know, basically, it's it's just you know um, clips, you know, or and, you know, short stories that uh, Bruce Lee wrote, and that really apply to a lot of different stages of my life. So I, you know, that's another book that I'll go back and flip through and go, oh yeah, this is so this is a little bit different than it was you know, 10 years ago. Mm. Um, but yeah, you know, and you know, it's one of my favorites, you know, not just because it's Bruce Lee, but you know, it was actually given to me by a friend who, who picked it up and went, Vince needs to read this book. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. And I, I love Bruce Lee. He's one of my yeah. top five guys. And, mm-hmm. uh, I want to talk about like, was he one of your heroes growing up? Who else uh, hits yeah. that list of like, when you were a young man growing up, me, top guys, Muhammad Ali. That's oh, my absolutely. guy. Yeah. Ali, uh, single-handedly. I, I'm not the biggest fan of boxing. Oh, mm-hmm. I love sports and, you know, but just the, the level of success that he was able to reach given all the obstacles in his way to become the global icon that he is outside of his craft. Yes. That's what yeah. I strive to do is whatever I, I'll probably end up, my first step is going to be business and finance okay. coming out. And that's really what I'm interested in. I want to really help people with their money because I feel like it's a... Uh, it's definitely, we need more people like that in this world that really want to be selfless like yourself and make sure that things financially are taken care of. Cause it's, you know, it's money's a really big problem when you don't have it. <laughs> and then, like, you know what I mean? And I'm sure <laughs> yeah. you talk about some experiences with that, but like oh, yeah. when you do have it, you know, it's smaller and you're able to sort of give back and become more generous as you, you know, grow and succeed in life oh, and yeah. that's just kind of one of my biggest things is Ali was able to just man he was calling the shots just like Bruce Lee yeah, but just like exactly. when you talk about calling your shots and through his and it wasn't like a like a in a cocky manner I look at Ali and I just it's empowering that's really what it is it's, right. yeah he said he's the greatest and he accomplished that but through him achieving his greatness he made you feel like you can achieve yours oh no absolutely and yeah so who are some other guys uh Back in the day, you got Bruce Lee, Ali, who else? Yeah, so um, 
you know, growing up, we were all big Bruce Lee fans. And, you know, so my brothers and I started training, I think it was Shotokan Karate. We were, I was a teenager, and I don't think my, my brothers were quite teenagers yet. You know, it was one of those things where, you know, I, I got tired of getting my butt kicked. And we finally asked our parents, hey, can we go and start training somewhere? So we, you know, we did what a lot of martial artists did back in the early 70s and 80s. And we trained in somebody's backyard. Oh, really? That's yeah. where you started? Yeah, we, we actually, we met with our, our Shotokan sensei, um, a guy named Anthony Silva, who I think is still around. But he, um, he met us in our friend's backyard and started our, our martial arts journey back then. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you know. Obviously, I have a few heroes. You know, my, my dad is, is probably always going to be at the top of my list. Um, you know, he joined the Navy uh, from the Philippines uh, in order to, to get a, you know, plan for a better life in, in America, right? Explain that to me. He was in the Philippines, and yeah. he was able to come into the Filipino Navy? or no, um, U.S. U.S. Navy. Navy. Yeah, so, there was an agreement or something like yeah, that? Yeah, so back then, um, and this was, you know, during the time of the Vietnam War, uh, you could, you know, there were, they were recruiting not only from here, but from, you know, a, a few different countries, the Philippines being one of them. And you could, you could come here and, you know, you could finish your enlistment and, you know, it was, it was almost a, a sure road to becoming a citizen. Okay. So, um, my dad joined the Navy, uh, you know, later on, you know, he and my mom got married and then he moved her over here. And then, you know, like I said, they were stationed in Florida for a while and then he came and then we ended up in California. You know, I, I look back and, you know, it, and I've told this to people before, but if, if my dad hadn't taken those steps, I'd be speaking to you in a totally different accent. Yeah. You know, that's, and yeah. that's something we're super big on the podcast. I'm hope I'm happy you brought that up because uh, Hannah's an immigrant. She's from Sweden. Right, yeah. So yeah. we're always big on, and, and I'm so happy that this was one of my questions was mm-hmm. like, as far as how you view the globe. And I think that we need more people to, to travel. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. like we're going to get into that right now. Enough, enough <laughs> cop talk, but like, let's go ahead and switch hats over to, you know, you being, um, you know, your, your outside of work self and just, I see you guys traveling and that's one of the most things that I want to spend all my money on traveling. It's like the oh, most yeah. important thing. It's, it's something that the people, you know, that uh, help me out, they always say like, Hey, you got to get out there and travel, especially yeah. do it while you're young, do it when you have kids, find a way, there's always a way to get out there. And it's like, my biggest thing is exposure leads to expansion. So yes. by, yeah. by immersing yourself in different cultures and different geographic regions, you're able to really take it in from a different perspective. Right. And it's like, if you're just in America, yeah, America has a lot as far as like different states, different regions, but it's a different ball game mm-hmm. when Hannah dropped us off over in Europe. And now I got to see stuff <laughs> yeah. like that of, um, oh, I'm doing it here, but guess what? This philosophy doesn't work over there or yeah. there's better ways to do it. So it's like, I see you guys went on a trip for your 30th, uh, was it your third? Tell me about that. Your 30th year anniversary. Yeah. What'd you um, guys have going on? So, you know, we obviously... We wanted to celebrate this year because we've been married for 30 years. And um, congratulations, oh, by thank the you. way. Yeah, uh, one of um, one of the things that we we did this year was we went on a you know just a short cruise down to Mexico, and it's actually a cruise that we've done before, uh, but you know we just wanted to get away and was you know, it the Ensenada one? Yes. How was that uh, post COVID? Because I went on it before COVID, right. and then you know everything went down, and uh-huh. I just haven't. As it was it the same, similar? I, I think 
for the most part, it was. It, it was. We were probably at somewhere between eighty-five and ninety-five percent um, uh, population on the ship. Gotcha. Uh, you know, it, it was obviously the the people working on the ship were still taking precautions, and you know, I think it was at that time. I, it may have changed between now and then. The their policy was that you know all the employees were masked up, and okay. then it was optional for passengers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think for the most part, it, it went pretty well. Um, you know, it, it had been quite some time since our last cruise, but, you know, we had fun and, you know, it was, it was just a nice getaway. And, you know, obviously the biggest thing on, when you go on a cruise is, you know, not just getting away, but you get to meet a bunch of different people. Yeah. You know, you're, you're stuck in a, in a small city uh-huh. you for gotta a week, hi. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so that's fun. And that's my thing too, is Hannah hasn't been on a cruise yet. She's been everywhere. Like she's, she, you know, spent time in Pakistan. They spent time oh, wow. in Syria over there. Her yeah. dad, you guys would get along. Next time he's in town, we're definitely going to link up because he's, um, he spent time with the United Nations. Oh, wow. So, okay. and that ended up taking him and then even his, his dad. So he's probably your dad's age too, was the original, like, uh, middle. East crisis back in what the 60s, right, 70s yeah. that happened. Wow. He was a part of that wave. Wow. So even her okay. dad grew up bouncing around there. They've been everywhere. They were, you know, brought the girls over here. The girls stayed and now they're back in Sweden. So we get to visit them and it's awesome. Oh, nice. But uh, so yeah, we'll probably be out there. I don't know. We'll talk about Christmas maybe next summer, but like traveling and stuff like that. I want to talk about that cruise is those burgers. I, that's the only thing I remember <laughs> about those burgers. Do they still have the, did those make it through COVID? Is Do you remember those like Guy Fieri? The guy from yeah. Minute to Win It. Did he still have those burgers so, on those um, cruises? I, I think there was there was one place on there. Okay. Uh, you know, obviously they have their specialty restaurants and stuff. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, um, you know, the, the I think that's a se- probably the second best thing about going on a cruise is all the food, right? Yeah. And, and you know, the first time we went on a cruise, you know, it was like, oh, hey, we can go, we can go to main dining, we can go to the uh, the dining hall and eat whenever we want and all these things right and then you come back and you're 15 pounds heavier yeah <laughs> and, and I, but I think uh, I think my wife found the secret so you you make uh, reservations for the specialty restaurants and you have set menus right mm-hmm. so now you're not going overboard uh-huh. and you know having to pay for it in the morning at the gym or you know yeah. whatever it is but you, you you know you're still very satisfied because the food's so good uh-huh yeah. yeah no i think i'm taking advantage of my youth and i'm just gonna <laughs> pound it i'm the last time i had i'm i'm serious i had like three or four burgers a day over that like oh, three day first yeah. i, I yeah. had like 12 a dozen burgers of just and fries included and oh, just yeah. going going yeah. going so that's fun where else have you guys been um traveling what are some of your most memorable ones like over the past 10 years or so so for our, our uh, 25th anniversary we actually traveled to italy oh. and we spent um i think it was almost 16 days Man, that's awesome. You guys hit yeah. Rome, hit the whole yeah. hit the whole works. That's man, that's something that I want to see is I've been seeing it and it's like it, I, I that's my biggest thing of we can get into like the concept of time mm-hmm. as we were talking about as far as like you just having 30 years of marriage, you having, you know, 30 years of service that you got going here and it's like Imagine 3,000 years of history. Imagine 10,000 years of history. And that's stuff that like me going over to Europe, and we talk about this on the podcast too all the time of just like, uh, what is old here? Oh, this building was made what? Like the 70s, the 60s or whatever. Right. When yeah. was this? But we, I went over to Sweden uh-huh. and her her dad, um, Mats, his name is, his, that city that he's from was founded in like 1284 wow. or something like that. And they're just like, yeah, no, that building is like one of our first buildings here. Yeah. And I'm like, 
why is it still here? And they're just like, I mean, it's good. Like it's strong. It's still, they, yeah. they use good stones to build that. It's still here. And I'm like, that's just yeah. wild. So my concept of time being outside of just like the the American, like time started when the unit right. 1776. It's like, no, the people have been running yeah. forever. You go back to like the ancient books that we're talking about. And it's just exactly. like, how has your concept of time now you being the big dog in the office, you being, <laughs> you know what I mean, uh, grandfather, how has it, has it gone by fast? Has it gone by slow? It's probably both, huh? Is that the answer? Like what, tell me. Yeah, I, I think um, time in relation to, you know, all the things you get to do in your life, you know, at this stage in my life, I think it, it feels like it's going a lot quicker because um, now, you know, that, that's a picture of myself and my uh, my grandson there on the wall. Yeah. And that was, geez, that was, he's seven now. So that was probably about three, almost four years ago. And yeah. it was like that. I mean, literally in a flash. He's like a full-fledged yeah. person. Yeah. You know, and. Uh, um, What's your nickname? What's he call you? Uh, he calls me, uh, so in, in Tagalog, which is the, you know, Philippine language, uh, grandfather is Lolo, L-O-L-O. Okay. Um, as he was growing up, he couldn't you know, hit the L's. So I became Ho-O, which is H-O-W-O. Oh, okay. And uh, and and uh, on you know on the other side of it, my my wife is is Lola, but he she became Hoa. Oh, right? okay. So those names just stuck because he can say them now. Yeah. He can say Lolo and Lola, but now it's like ah, you know what he was saying it already. Th- those those names are are, are mm-hmm. there, and I they actually gave me a, a a picture album that's over there that says you know. Um, he couldn't hit his his V's either. He they were B's like in boy, so I was I was uh, ho. Well, I still am actually ho bins b i n s <laughs> right. So that's what they put on the book over there. Yeah, you know. So you know, it's pretty cool. That's great. Now, what's the difference between like seeing you know your grandson grow up versus like your you know your sons and your daughters? Is it like, do you feel more, like, is it funner? You know what I mean? Like, what is the, is it more, less responsibility? How do you feel? What is the difference between, like, when you're a parent versus when you're a grandparent? Do you just spoil them? How, how oh, is yeah. it? Like, what are the different types of love that you give at each stage? So, um, again, you know, our, our daughter, you know, we were young when we, we had her. And um, all of our, so we have, you know, we have her and then our two sons. And each of them are about five or six years apart. So we've actually had to kind of adjust the way that we parented through the years. You know, and it was, you know, based on experience, uh, based on um, availability, based on, you know, really, you know, additionally, you know, how much money we had at the time. Uh, Because, again, we were flat broke when she was born. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so we did the best we could with everything that we had. Um, You know, and... You know, obviously, I love all three of my kids. Um, again, they're uh, each was a little bit different to raise. You know, Jessica, our daughter, actually, she kind of grew up with us. Yeah. You know, um, so we were forming our way through that. When we got to our our son Nico, he, um, you know, three or four years in, we found out he was autistic. Mm. So we had to kind of change that. And then you know our, our youngest Brandon, who you know who you know well. Yeah, I play ball with um, your son. I guess we should have mentioned that in the beginning. That's that's <laughs> yeah. how I know you. Is me and uh, 
brand little osorio we go way back so we <laughs> yeah. played ball and he actually was um the first guy that i went and ran track with so yeah, that's right remember it was yeah. we were hanging out the at the football team doing nothing during like an off season and we see these guys running and we're like hey well why don't we hop in like let's go do something why yeah. are we and it was funny though is because that also speaks to how you were able to lead your son because we had a group of 10 15 of us that were mm-hmm. all just sitting there on the bench and we go hey, uh, you know, anybody want to go? Like, we're just literally doing nothing, you know, jacking around. How about we go do something? And, right, uh, yeah. There was only two guys that went, me and Osorio. <laughs> so it was like, let's go. And it's just always like doing new things. And I know he's he's busy doing his thing. And like, we're trying to reconnect, but like, I've yeah. just been so busy too. And he's oh, yeah. been on a hectic schedule that like, I'm just now sort of since the start of this podcast, like coming out of the, the school, you know, former right, yeah. athlete role that I was in. So this is like what the podcast is, is me having excuses to come and like <laughs> connect with people and yeah. do this and that. So it's super cool. I want to talk about next, like how, Basically, the stage in my life that I'm focused on is uh, getting those key things. You know what I mean? Figuring out what is the career going to be? What is the house? How do I get my future family put in a position to where we're okay? Now that you've done those things and you've been so successful in that realm, what are the things that you sort of focus on that are outside of work now? Is Is it giving back? Is it sort of reflection? How do you build now? So, you know, this is something we we as a family, we try to think about all the time. Um, because obviously like, you know, being in this office and having this job, this isn't going to be forever. You know, the, I think, um, we're, we're hoping to have me retired here in the next couple of years. Um, so you have to think about, Hey, what are the next steps or are there going to be next steps? You know, do we just live off retirement and then hang out and, you know, go travel, which is going to be one of the big things, right? Obviously. Because, uh, you know, we, we I, I love spending time with my wife and, you know, we love traveling. So we're going to get out as often as we can. Um, but, you know, now that those things are, are kind of set, you know, the family, the house and, you know, um, retirement and all the other things. Uh, you know, I, I think back and a lot of the things or one of the bigger things to me, I think, is being able to to share the things that I know uh, with with people who don't know these things. And, you know, whether it's, it's martial arts or, you know, uh, preparation, you know, mental preparation or physical preparation for something, um, you know, how to respond in an emergency, you know, the, the things you don't, you don't necessarily get when you're in school or, you know, learning at, a, at another job, you know, like if, uh, you know, if someone who's working at the airport, you know, may have a, a whole different idea of how to respond to an emergency than I would. Yeah. You know, so I want to be able to share, you know, how to, you know, how to come up with your own personal operations plan for, you know, daily life. Um, you know, and, and my kids have been through a lot of the the classes that I've taught and they could probably teach them for me right now. Um, but you know, which I, you know, I'm glad for, but I'm, I'm even more glad that they can actually, you know, like when Brandon hooks up with you again, you you might have a conversation about preparation or, hey, you know, what if this happens? Well, this is what you do, mm-hmm. you know, um, or these are your options, you know, those kind of things. Um, because growing up, you know, we obviously we had our parents, but there weren't that many people out there who were doing those types of things. You know, it, a lot of um, institutional knowledge was kept, 
you know, mm-hmm. and, and when, when you pass, you take that all with you. Oh, you know, yeah. it's not like you put it in a, you know, in a computer bank and someone can go, hey, wh- what did Vince say way back when? Yeah. Well, guess what? It's gone, mm-hmm. you know. So I want to be able to share that with, you know, not only my family, but, you know, everybody who I run into. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's honestly one of my, you say that, that's one of my biggest motivating factors for starting this podcast mm-hmm. is, uh, I don't want to say it was selfishly, but like selfishly I wanted, uh, I don't know if you read Green Lights, Matthew McConaughey's uh, book Green Lights. Oh, no. Do, no. Oh, that was, uh, you know, number one times bestseller. That was a big one for me. I recommend you check it out. It's like 200 pages. It's okay. super short. But at this stage in your life, dude, you, you can write green lights. Like, you get it. But <laughs> it's definitely it's entertaining because he's an actor and he's like, you know, the icon that he is. It's yeah. interesting to see his story of how he started from just a young butthead in Texas and was able to grow into the brand that we know today. Right, yeah. And I think basically he was able to compile 50 years worth of he's he's like your age you know yeah, early 50s right as well there. he's able to compile all of his journal entries oh, wow. for okay. you know since he was literally i think the starting of his acting career in his early 20s wow. so what he did over covid was there you know everything shut down he was able to look himself in the mirror uh-huh. throughout all of the 30 years of experience that he had and he came up with this love letter to life that he calls it which is green lights awesome. and okay. it's something that was able to just like he goes through into everything work business you know fatherhood this and that bada bing bada boom so mm-hmm. that's one of my top five books right there okay. at this stage in my life and the th- biggest thing that i took from that was I, I have no interest in writing. A, I don't, I just don't write. I don't do that. And then yeah. also I'm a slow typer too. The way it's just like, I'm, I'm a talker. That's what I am. Okay. Yeah. So I said, let me get a podcast started selfishly because I want the next 10, 15 years on file that I can go back and listen to right. on, yeah. you know, it's up on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. I don't think Spotify is going anywhere anytime right. soon. <laughs> so let me get this stuff uploaded. And then an unfortunate byproduct would be if somebody finds value in what I'm doing and the yeah. types of conversations that we're having, that's just icing on the cake right there. So it's like, for me, I didn't even care if anybody listened. It's mm-hmm. more for me getting to sit in front of you and take these lessons that you're dropping right now. And then <laughs> 10, 15, 20, 30 years from now, when, you know, when you're gone, I have this right here. I'm going to make sure that this stays and I can go pull back from it and go, oh, although he's not here, I still have what he was able to leave. You know what I mean? Just people like that. That's the important thing here. So it's like maybe even you starting your own podcast. I'm a big advocate for (laughs) it. It's, it's, you know, low stuff, get into it and just start getting those thoughts out. There's things where I go, even when I'm listening to podcasts, I go, oh, let me take that. Let me explore my thoughts here and this is one of the few times where I can actually slow down and you're literally in my brain and that's like the biggest thing that I'm learning even starting this podcast is hearing your voice at the same level that I hear my own voice at Uh it's so different yeah like I'm literally kind of in your head more than if I was just even just speaking to here so it's like it's even helped my relationship and you know we don't have 30 years of marriage but the the four years that we do have why is it that I hear her most 
in the podcast <laughs> and she'll say the same thing she said already five times. And then I right. hear it here because I go, oh, I wasn't thinking of what my response to that was going to be. Oh, and yeah. that's like the biggest thing that I want to get into. And we got maybe two more topics to we can get into, but it's like communication. Yeah. You talk about being big on uh, preparing and having a plan, but it's like, uh, I think another facet of that is the communication part. Do you want to get into that? Is like, what are some of the best ways that you've found communicating to all people what the plan is? Um, well, you know, it, it's a great question. You know, this is my first podcast. Okay. So, um, you know, again, like you, you're saying, you know, I can hear myself at a different level and it's kind of weird still, right? Um, well, I, I think as far as communication, um, you know, it, it runs from, it, it runs a gamut, right? So you have, obviously, there are easy ways to do things. You know, we can send out emails, we can send out um, videos, we can do a bunch of different things. You know, you can teach a class, you know, whatever it is. Um, I think these days, one of the, the biggest things uh, that I've noticed as far as communication is, I guess the best way to say this is different, you know, obviously different generations have um, a, a different stronghold in in their type of communication. And I'll give you an example. So, you know, with a, a lot of younger people, you know, I can, if I, you know, contact them, you know, outside of my office or, or do whatever, and, we, you know, we have a quick conversation, I can ask them a question, you know, and I'll get a really quick answer, right? And it, it, it's, you know, very concise, you know, oh, well, this, this, and this. Okay, cool, thank you, right? But if I text the same question, I get pages upon pages oh, upon pages okay. of, well, this is why we did this, and this is why we did that, and, you know, this is what you should do here, and I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. Where, you know, some, a contemporary of mine, if I go in and, you know, we can have a full conversation about whatever, you know, and, and sit there. And then we're texting each other and it's like, all right, yeah, no, yes. You know, and <laughs> they're very quick yeah. answers, right? Uh, so, it, you know, it, it changes as you kind of progress through your... That's you funny. Know. I guess thinking back now, yeah, when I do text my dad, is he will say, uh, hey... XYZ or whatever. And yeah. I'm like, hold on now. I got to call him. And he goes, oh, this is what you do. No, you got to get this, get this. Exactly. Oh, hey, get your tires fixed and this and that or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, versus if I was like, hey, this is what's going on with my pickup. Have you seen this before? He'll be like, I don't know, figure it out. But if I call him, <laughs> then yeah. he'll give me like a, all right, let's try this, this, if it doesn't work. You know what I mean? So right. it's just so funny. And yeah. I don't know. I think I don't think I'm in that category, actually, oh. of I'm one of the kids, young guys who actually will use my words. And Good. I see yeah. it I see it in everything. And I think it is kind of like a, I don't want to say dying, but like fading, you know, yeah. things come in and they come out. And I think it's just a lack of confrontation, too, is oh, a absolutely. lot of it yeah. is what I'm finding is like... Even even good confrontation, positive things, asking yes. a girl out, you know what uh -huh. I mean? Asking a guy out, doing whatever you want to do. You got to sit there. You got to look a gal in the eyes and say, <laughs> how you doing? Yeah. My name's Venture. I think you're very pretty. Would you like to go get something to eat? I don't have a lot of money, but it'll be a fun time. Let's <laughs> go, go see a yeah. movie. I got a couple bucks to go see a movie. Right. Uh, that It's confrontational. It's like the fear. I think people in my generation are having a stronger fear on what could happen and I can't live my life off of like the negative possibilities right. on what could happen. Yeah. Still have a plan and still be prepared. Yeah. But it's like, go ahead and walk me through like just, you know what I mean? Just these these young people that I'm with, they, my, <laughs> my people are like, oh, I don't know. What if she says no? 
why are you looking at it as what if she says no? Yeah. And what if she says yes? She, are you just going to sit here? So you've already failed. Right. Yeah. You, you've failed because you fear failure. Yes. You know what I mean? Where I'm the biggest proponent of like failure is a part of the developmental process. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, when you talk about someone, you know, in this case, someone asking another person out and thinking, well, what if he or she says no? And then they stop, right? So, you know, we've talked about having a plan for different things. Um, and that, that's my philosophy in life, right? You, you know, have a plan for, you know, emergencies, have a plan for good stuff, have a plan for bad stuff, whatever it's going to be, you know, have something there so that you have something to fall back on when, when it happens, right? Um, I know and work with a, with a lot of different people who, who kind of agree with my philosophy. But then on the other end of the spectrum, I know a few guys and girls who, you know, if they're presented an issue, they go right to, you know, um, end of the world. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they go right to, well, if we don't do this, this, and this, it's going to fail. And, you know, which in some cases, would it's probably a good thing, but not in every case. Because then you're overthinking every situation you walk into, uh, whether it's asking someone out or, you know, it, it's responding to an emergency or, or whatever it is. And, and in, for me, overthinking is, is, almost, is almost worse than not having a plan at all. Yeah, okay. You know, you got to be somewhere right in the middle. And that way you can adapt, right? You know, because if you're overthinking it, number one, you're, you're burning the time that you're using to, you know, overthink the situation. And number two, you're, you're going right to, you know, worst case scenario instead of, you know, doing a progression in your head. And, you know, the, there's this thing called backwards planning, right? You take your issue... Um, you know, whatever your objective is going to be. And then you work your way backwards to, you know, well, this is what happens when we get to the objective. Um, And then just before that, the steps to, well, how are we going to get to the objective? How are we going to plan for it? What are the things we need? You know, and so on, right? And, you know, um, that is, and that's a normal human process, but a lot of people overthink things. And then like you said, they just give up. Mm -hmm. And you know what? It's not going to work. This, you know, we shouldn't do this. Forget it. Let's, let's move on to the next thing. And then that idea dies, mm. you know, so I try to avoid the whole, you know, overthinking thing. I think I want you to go even deeper into you're a man who has gone through or, or responded to uh, hundreds, if not thousands of emergency situations, correct? Where do you think your, your baseline is when you don't know? Because that's probably ha- – okay, so that's the thing I want to ask is like when you don't know, that unknown. You don't know if it's going to be as bad as they say it is. You don't know if it's going to be as good that could be bad. You, it's unknown. Right. That fear of the unknown, how do you battle that issue? So um, I, I think a lot of it comes to your, your training and preparation. Okay. You know, um, and, you know, this has been said on, on hundreds of different podcasts, but, you know, you, you hear the saying, you know, you have to rise to the occasion, right? It's not going to happen. You will fall to your highest level of training, and then that's how you will respond. So, you know, in, in our cases here, you know, we're, we're trained to respond to a bunch of different things. You know, um, whether it's, um, you know, a, a traffic accident or... Uh, a shooting or an active shooter or whatever it is, we, we try to train for all those different scenarios. And then, you know, obviously we get daily experience in, in a lot of those things. Um, so we can respond to those, right? Now, if it were something different, say a fire or, uh, you know, they're, they're, I've always, I always joke with people and, t- and tell them, 
you know, there, there are two things I would never be in life. One is a firefighter and one is a ghostbuster. <laughs> you know, and they're like, well, why? I go, you can't throw handcuffs on either one of those things. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, but, um, but because it requires a whole different training. And so my, my response to a fire would be different than, you know, the, the firefighter who's been fully trained and is ready to go and, and kitted up for responding to that. Um, but I think, yeah, again, wh- whatever, you know, level of training you have, you know, let's say you have, you know, the average level of training for a police officer or firefighter out there. Your your level of training is still going to be higher than the average citizen's. So your level of response or your response to a situation is going to be different from from the way that, you know, the average citizen responds. And, and I always give um, uh, one family member... Uh, uh, I guess props in my uh, in my classes because her responses to situations haven't changed for sixty plus years. Okay, mm-hmm. so you know, watching a kid fall in the early sixties, her response was you know basically panic, right? Watching her, you know. Uh, 30 years later, watching a grandkid fall was basically panic, mm-hmm. okay? And, you know, you figure watching a bunch of different kids fall, but, you know, over the course of 20 or 30 years, you would actually, you know, either, you know, get some experience or maybe some, you know, some on-the-job parental training, right? And be able to respond differently when when someone falls or gets hurt. But she didn't do that. So her response never changed. Yeah. Whereas after the first, you know, kid fell and nicked their knee, she decided, well, you know what? Okay, I panicked that time. Now I'm going to go and, you know, I'm going to learn how to throw a bandage on somebody. I'm going to learn how to do this. I'm going to learn how to do that. By the time the, the, you know, the next five or six kids come along, by that sixth kid, expert, right? Yeah. She's, she's good to go. Kid falls down, gets hurt, not a problem. Wrap him up, good. Throw some dirt on it, get back to throw playing. Throw some dirt on yeah, it. Right? Yeah, right? Yeah. But, you know... So you, whatever you're responding to, or, you know, however your personal response is going to be, it'll be predicated on, on your, your training and experience up to that level. Yeah. 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 I want to talk about also working with teams, the importance of, uh, you're an expert on just moving and leading, uh, you, they, they, they say, and I keep hearing that you move, you, what is it? You move faster individually, but you'll move further with a team. Absolutely. And yeah. the importance of how, how, what are some of your best ways in getting the team on the same page? Um, so I, I've had the opportunity to work with a, a lot of different teams. Um, obviously, my favorite part of the job has always been, you know, being part of our SWAT team. And I've, I've seen different iterations of, of that particular team through the years. Um, when we first started back on our team back in God, I, I think I got on in 98 or 99, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit earlier. Um, we 
How fast, real quick, with yeah. the SWAT team, uh-huh. I like that we're getting into this. How fast <laughs> do you guys get ready? That's a lot of stuff going on. That's the the giant armored truck that comes yeah. in with, <laughs> yeah. like, how many dudes are in there? It's like, it seems endless. I feel like there's, like, 50 guys in there. When, when I've wish. seen them, like, yeah. twice where they just they roll up and they yeah. come out, and I'm like, whoa, what's going on? Well, our, like, our, um, our Bearcat can hold, um, I think it's 12 guys fully kitted up. Including the driver and the uh, the front passenger. Does the driver get out too? It depends on the situation, but most of the time they'll be there with the Bearcat just in case. Okay. Um, but yeah, we're a lot of the situations that a, a SWAT team has to respond to are, you know, kind of after the fact. Okay. Right. So you know the the barricade has started or the you know um, the the shooting has stopped and and now they're they're just kind of hanging out or you know they're they're stuck in their car whatever it's going to be. So they get a little bit extra time to, you can kit up, you can come up with your plan, you can do a bunch of different things. And then okay. on the other side of things, um, a lot of the things that our team does are, are um, pre-planned. So search warrants, you know, arrest warrants, things like that, where you get, you know, you get your, basically your target package, and this is this is who we're going to go arrest, or this is where we're going to serve the search warrant. And again, you know, you do the backwards planning, and so you have a you have a uh, a little bit of time to plan uh, prior to the actual ex- execution of that warrant. Yeah, that's awesome. <clears throat> um, I think also another thing that I want to talk about too is uh, like firearms and safety like that mm-hmm. is um, I think that I know a, a big issue that I'm seeing is people who are in my age category are going out and purchasing firearms and they're not training and they're not really right. going through the proper steps of what you should do to be a responsible like gun owner and have certain plans and stuff that goes in. So like, I'm interested in, you know, in the future purchasing, you know, firearms and going through the proper trainings, where would I go? Obviously I would go through you, but like where, you know (laughs) what I mean? Like you would teach that stuff, but where would somebody go to start that process? So, um, right now there are, there are a lot of different companies that have sprouted up, uh, especially even in our area here, right? Uh, because of the whole concealed weapons um, application thing changing, right? So uh, what I would do is I, I would um, check with the, the local PD or the uh, sheriff's department, and they're generally going to have a list of um, uh, vendors, I guess you could say, who they have vetted and who have been approved by them to, to teach the, the basic firearms handling and safety and all those things. Mm-hmm. So th- those are really good references. Okay. And then just go and then go from there. So, yeah, that's cool. None of the guys I know did that. So it's like. (laughs) (laughs) Well, see, that's the hard part, right? So, you know, you go out and you buy, you know, a Dodge Charger, Mm -hmm. right? First car or whatever it is. And they throw you in the passenger seat and they say, hey, take off. Yeah. Right? And you haven't had a driving lesson. You haven't done any driving with your parents or any of that kind of stuff. You're going to crash. Mm-hmm. You know, you're either going to crash or you're just going to forget it. I'm just going to leave it right here. Yeah. You know, and and look at how beautiful the car is, right? Um. Same thing goes for a firearm. You know, go and get the the basic training uh, so that you feel comfortable with whatever firearm you end up buying, and then you know you start out being comfortable with the with the weapon. You you know the more you train with it, the better you can shoot with it, and the better you can shoot with it, the more confident you can you can be if and when something happens at your house, mm-hmm. right? Otherwise, it becomes what, in my opinion, you know, during COVID, you know, everyone went out and bought a firearm, mm-hmm. right? So now you have thousands and thousands of the guns out there owned by thousands and thousands of people who don't understand how the gun works. And, you know, now it's just, it's sitting 
in a closet or in a drawer or, or wherever it is, and hopefully it's you know safely locked away. But now it's just a piece of metal, mm-hmm. as opposed to being you know something you can actually use at some point. Yeah, yeah. and I think I'm big on um, like teaching children do you see what i'm saying oh, so yeah. it, it's one thing to come from me but it's obviously a much better thing to come from you yeah. i want you to talk about the importance of like if you have children around mm-hmm. and you do have firearms or other weapons or just things in place like i learned how to drive when i was 12 for example yeah you okay. see what i'm saying that's yeah. what made me a great driver today no accidents on my right. record i've even yeah. taught various people how to drive you know what this is what you do and it's yeah. like so talk about that with people who are apprehensive like you know gun guns and stuff it's a very divisive topic but yeah. they're out there and you know what i mean like people have them and what i want you to talk about the importance of like teaching children and the next generation the right way to do it right so I think for me, and and we're at kind of a unique stage when when I got hired and was first able to carry a gun and you know legally and not that I ever carried a gun illegally. Yeah. But um, uh, you know my my daughter was six when I graduated the academy. My son Nico came a few months later, and so he you know they both grew up with a gun in the house, mm-hmm. right? For me, the biggest thing was always to take the mystery out of it. Okay. Okay. So you know. You, you see what people, do you mean by mystery? Like the fear of the unknown? Yeah, absolutely. Or, so okay. you see people who are like, yeah, I have a gun, and, you know, uh, but it's locked in the closet. So my kids can't get to it. My kids can't see it, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. That, right? and, and, you know, safety-wise, great. But guess what? Those kids will grow up and go, hey, my dad's got a gun in the closet. I've never – he's never shown me how to use it. He's never um, talked about it or whatever it is. I want to go see that. Because it's it's a mystery, and mm-hmm. that's what kids do, right? And that's when you get into trouble. Yeah, you know, some people leave their guns unlocked or unloaded, or you know, whatever it is, and that's you know, obviously that's when you know tragic things can happen. So for me, I it was it was always part of my my personal plan to take the the mystery out of you know my you know they knew I carried a gun every day, you know, on my person or in a bag or something, and. I would leave it. I'd literally, I would, when I, I'd get home from work, I would put it up on the counter. Yeah. And, you know, to them, it was just another tool. It's a tool. Yeah. yeah. So it, it would be the same thing as if, you know, I, I took my wallet out and threw it on the counter. And I could literally, you know, just leave it there. Mm-hmm. And at, at certain points in, in our kids' development, I could actually tell them, hey, uh, you know, I'm in my room or whatever it is. Do me a favor. Can you grab my gun off the counter and bring it in here? Mm-hmm. And they knew, you know. Obviously, it's holstered, you know, hold, you know and you know, it, it would be a little weird to get out anyway. But they would, they would go get it yeah. and bring it to me. Um, and that still stuns a lot of people that I know because mm-hmm. they're like, "Oh my God, you let kids handle guns?" I go, "Well, no. I didn't just, you know, leave it there for them to handle." Yeah. There was there was a lot of preparation that went into that, and you know, taking the mystery out of it, and you know, making sure that they knew how guns operated and what the the effects of you know shooting a gun at something were you know that they all of my kids grew up learning that stuff yeah they they knew that okay if i press this trigger something's coming out of the barrel and you know if there's anything in front of that you know the bullet then it's going to get destroyed. And it helps teach about that next step of yes. that that afterthought of connecting, just like you're talking about stopping. You yes. know, you start to yeah. go strategize and go, then this happens, right. then this happens. Exactly. 
Yeah. Uh, and then you can start to create plans from there. Yeah. And it's like, that's my thing is I don't, you know, I don't have anyone in my family that was like big, big on guns, stuff like that. So every time I bring it up is it's always been like, cause I've gone with friends and people and like, mm-hmm. you know, shot firearms and stuff. And like, I, I got that same rush that I get when, you know, when I'm lifting weights, I go, Oh, right, yeah. there's an increase in energy Uh of like, oh, okay, let's keep doing that. Let's get better at that. And it's like a process where with the target doing it, I'm like, oh, this is something that like I really want to get into and like really want to get better at. But I just didn't even know where to start, you know, just like, where's that thing at? And it's the same thing as like, I'm, you know, I've, I'm two weeks on the job as my, like a jet ski, jet ski. Oh yeah. um, (laughs) Yeah. We can get into that right now. We'll finish up with that is I got some stories for you already, man. Just literally two weeks on the job. And, um, the rush that we get is people aren't understanding that we're taking out hundred and it's, you know, where we taking a jet. Have you been on a jet ski before? Oh yeah. Yeah. When, when's last time? Jeez, it's been over 10 years. Okay, yeah. you haven't been on a jet ski. Then. Oh, really? <laughs> the jet skis are newer, they're bigger, they're faster, they're stronger. Oh, I bet. yeah. So now the right. jet skis are running at about 170 horsepower, but they're only 800 pounds. You'll throw on another probably 100 pounds in fuel, and then you know, about, you're know about you about 200 pounds, so it's about 1,000 pounds that you're out there riding wow. at 170 horsepower, though. So you're flying. Yeah. So the thing is, is I'm pushing 60 on the waves. Uh-huh. I got to get it to a lake. If I can get somebody out there... Uh, I'm, I'm pushing out there, boom, boom. And, but that's the same rush that I get, you know, when I work out, when I train with firearms, it's all the same thing of just like, you want to get better at your craft. You want to continue to master your craft. And I think let's go ahead. And I want you to talk about the importance that you found in trying to master your craft and what Mm -hmm. you found have been some of the biggest life lessons in honing in your talents, your skills, and your passions. Talk about that a little bit. And then we can just close out with like the jet ski stuff and, <laughs> you know what i mean well um so whether it's you know um martial arts or you know shooting or you know um exercise or whatever it is i think the biggest thing for me is you know obviously you have to do some research right because you know you can always practice you can you know you get reps in you know like for shooting if you can't get to the range you dry fire you do a bunch of different things right and what what do you what is that what is dry fire dry fire so basically drive? Drive no, or dry? Dry. Okay, DRI. dry. So basically, dry firing is you know you you make sure your your weapon isn't loaded and you're you're practicing your grip, your breathing, your trigger press, and a, and follow through and a bunch of other things, right? Um, so you can do that. You know, uh, obviously when you're exercising, you you see what works for you and what doesn't work for you. Mm-hmm. But I I think you know the biggest thing is is doing some research and actually getting some some good coaching. Yeah. Um. You know, I, like I said earlier, you know, I, I've gotten to teach a lot of people uh, how to shoot, but that wouldn't have happened unless I went out and got training in how to shoot better myself. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was lucky. There were a lot of guys here at work who, you know, were, were really good shots, you know, so they worked with me. I went out and um, I was lucky enough to go to uh, a range master school where, you know, they, they took my shooting and, and brought me to a whole new level yeah. with, you know, little tweaks here and little tweaks there, right? But um, I, I think that that's the biggest thing. You know, you go out, you get some some quality teaching. You know, like you know when you and, and Brandon were playing football, mm-hmm. right? You know, Coach Holt didn't just say, "You guys go in there and lift these big old weights, mm-hmm. and then um, and then I'll be right back." Right? Yeah. You know, he he showed you how to do stuff because mm-hmm. that that was his base. Yeah. And you know, and you know, it did really well for you guys. Yeah. Uh, um, but uh, you know, having those coaches, having those people there in your life to 
kind of tweak you where you need to get tweaked in order to, you know, to bring you to your next level, yeah. uh, I think is super important. I think another thing that I want to talk about is, and it's kind of more of a vulnerable question for you. So let me know. But it's like clearly you're, I, or, or you might be, are you a better shot than you were back in the day? Or like, <laughs> like certain skill sets of being able to do certain things. Yeah. I just now stopped growing. You know, I just now find that 22 filled out. Okay. Now I'm able right. to do things with my body that I'm like, oh, that's nice. I'm able to do certain things where I wake up in the morning and I go, oh. I think other people might be a little sore. You know what I mean? Right, like yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. good. I feel I feel amazing. You know, like uh-huh. I feel like someone's giving me these superpowers just as like a young <laughs> yeah. man keep going. And unfortunately, like a lot of a lot of people, you know, in my category, they're not taking advantage of those things. They're not really working their body or just right. there are other things like they can. But that's the thing that I have is I have my youth and I'm strong as fuck and just like <laughs> just go. Like I'm like I yeah. know I just I wake up just jacked. Let's go and I love yeah. that. So how do you I like? I'm a little scared. I'm a little scared of getting older. You know what I uh-huh. mean? As far as like in that <laughs> sector, not now yeah. as far as like business and marriage and love kids, all that. I'm super excited for that. But right. I'm like, I don't want to be in my 50s. Debunk the fears <laughs> for me of like, I don't I want to be an old guy. What do you yeah. mean? You know what I mean? Like, I feel good right now. How right, do you yeah. how much of a drop off is it? it is like so I think here's my question. How much of a drop off is uh, uh, your own doing as far as, you know, you not staying up to date with what you needed to do, you not working, right. uh-huh. you know, what you need to do and how much of it is, you know, life, God, you know, by science, yeah. like how much of it. So I, I think it's actually, uh, it's 50, 50 okay. for that drop off. Right. So, you know, obviously like, you know, we mentioned earlier, I, I did a lot of training with our SWAT team mm-hmm. and, you know, when, when I was physically on the team, you know, um, from you know being a team member to a team leader and then team finally team commander, um, I was able to get out and do those things that our SWAT guys have to do. You know, uh, got to work the tactics. You know, clearing rooms, working problems. Uh, I got out on the range with them. Uh, you know, as often as I could, and you know, and our our guys shoot a lot. Yeah. Because you know, obviously you want to prepare, right? And I, I personally I have noticed my so my. My shooting scores aren't terrible, but they weren't, they're not as good as when I was shooting all the time. Mm-hmm. And it, it goes for anything else, right? If you're, if, like you're, in your case, if you're lifting weights all the time and then you take, you know, a six-month break or whatever it is, oh, yeah. you're going to come back and not be as strong as you were. Mm-hmm. And, and then, you know, for the first couple of weeks, you're going to be thinking, oh, my God, what did I get myself into, right? But I think in order to combat that drop-off, um, it's one of those things where you have to just maintain a constant. Right. So you might not, uh, you know, maybe you don't want to deadlift your uh, or PR your deadlift every week. Mm-hmm. Right. So maybe now you spread it out a little more. But in the meantime, you're still on your regular schedule for your deadlifts for, you know, for whatever it is, for your, you know, your regular workouts. Um, same thing, you know, shooting or, you know, um, keeping yourself schooled up in in whatever makes your or whatever will help make you successful in your career. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's funny. I, I did a, uh, an active shooter class for a, a realty group, uh, last month mm-hmm. and, and I asked them, I go, well, Hey, so when you go into a house and then this, this all falls into the whole, you know, always have a plan thing. I go, so when you go to sell a house, do you just wake up that morning and go, yeah, I'm going to sell this house. Mm. Right. And they go, you know, they all looked at me like, well, of course we do. I go, no, you don't. You go in and you prep, you, you learn the ins and outs of that house of that neighborhood, 
You're ready to answer all, any of your clients' questions. You're ready to talk to the people you need to talk to to get things done, right? Which is all preparation for you selling that house. Yeah. And then they looked at me like, oh, wow. Didn't, you know, a lot of them didn't think of it that way. And I go, all that constant preparation continuously sharpens your sword. Yeah. Right? And that means when, you know, when your time comes to sell that house or to pull that guy out of a burning car or to, you know, do whatever, you're going to do it at the best of your ability because you consistently trained for it and prepared for it. Right? Um, but yeah, so I think that drop off, you can kind of fight it with just that constant prep. Yeah. You know? So that's good then. That, that, that actually makes me feel a little bit more comfortable about the aging process then, <laughs> as far as like, because I think that's also one of those things where you can't compare yourself to other people's stories too. You kind of got to right. stay in your own lane as far as like, because I can see certain like relatives or certain family friends and they get mm -hmm. to a certain place and I'm like, I don't want to be there. I is that inevitable? And I'm like, no, I don't think it is. Or right. you have so many older people where they'll always be like, oh yeah, but when I was your, it's easy when you're, when it's your age, it's easy. Yeah. So that's kind of, sometimes I get a little discredited because I do think that I'm quite mature and a couple years ahead of the game of mm -hmm. where I'm at right now. And cause I've worked hard to do so. And right. they'll be like, oh, it's easy to work that hard when you're young. And I'm like, but I don't think you were working that hard when you were this age as right. I am right now. Yeah. So it's like, if I continue to do this by the time I'm where you are, I don't think we're going to have the same story. Exactly. So that's one of the yeah. things where it's like, like I said, it's all kind of like theories right now for me because I haven't been in the in the fire, quote unquote, yet okay. enough. But right. it's like I am still – it's important to put those plans in place and at least think about where that North Star is yeah. so that when it's time to start traveling, mm -hmm. you have a way. Yeah. So that's one of those things. And it's one of those things where, you know – because I've got people in my life like that too, right? Where, you know, oh yeah, you know, when we were younger and blah, blah, blah. And, and all, you know, all the things that I guess you could say older people say, right? Well, to your point, you're, you're absolutely right. Your, your grind is different from their grind, you know, way back when. And, you know, your grind is obviously focused on, hey, I want to get this done. I want to do this. I want to do this. Um, I know a lot of elderly people who, you know, pastor prime or, or whatever it is, who, I don't know, for lack of better wording, have just, you know, they're, they're just signed out. Yeah. You know, and, you know, they hang out, they do whatever it is. And, you know, it, they, be, you know, for, because of, because of the effort that has to go into different things, they just don't do them. Mm -hmm. Right. Oh, my feet hurt. Well, your feet hurt, you know, or my, you know, my back hurts, this and that. Well, if you get up and you move once in a while, then they will hurt less. Yeah. Right? I As agree. opposed to you just sitting on that couch watching TV, vegetating, you know, whatever it is. And so those are those things. You, you, you know, you got to keep moving. You got to mm -hmm. keep pushing. And, you know, if you don't, then you just become this couch potato. Yeah. And then, you know, that's it, right? I mean, that, that's your life. Yeah. And, you know, and we've talked about travel and families and things like that. There are so many different things you can do out there. That, you know, there's no excuse not to do them. Yeah. 
you know? Things that don't even feel like they're benefiting jet right. skiing, for example. Yeah. Something so fun. But wh when we get you out there yeah. that day, you're going to be wrecked. It, yeah. You worked out <laughs> all day long. And it's just something that's so cool that I admire about you and your wife that, like, when I see pictures and stuff, I see the family pictures, I get your wife mixed up with your daughter. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? Sometimes just like, wait, hold on, which one? Who's who? But because you guys have been able to stay so healthy right, and yeah. active throughout your lives that, like, you just answered my question. It was like, no, it seems like... <laughs> Like you know, these fat people, it's it's intentional. Like they, it's their own doing. And if you just stay on your course and don't fall off that cliff of like, you know, a lot right. of people work yeah. out when they're young, but it's I'm sure it gets harder and harder as you oh, age yeah. Yeah. if you don't have that like discipline. So that was my thing is. I actually feel myself, I'm sure you have to feel the same way too, let me know, is where if I don't work out at least five times a week, five to six times a week, I can feel my mind start to wander to different places yeah. and, and go darker than like I get down on myself. I get like, right. yeah. which is weird because I think the like conventional thought would be like, oh, you're going to be tired if you work out. I'm like, no, I'm a lunatic if I don't work out. Like right. we're, you're going to be sitting in front of a, a guy that's more angry, that's more irritable, oh, absolutely. that's this. If yeah. unless I go out there and take my hour to go jack some weight around yeah. and then now I can sit down and I'm good. So, yeah, it's I mean, like, you know, I mean, whatever you're doing, whether, you know, if you're, you know, throwing weights in the garage around, riding your bike, you know, running, doing whatever, you know, everyone has their own personal release. Right. And and, you know, th this is this is some of the um, advice that I've given to a, a few of my friends, you know, as they're getting married throughout the years, because they always ask, well, hey, you know, you've been married the longest out of all of us. And. Uh, you know, what's the secret? And I tell them, they go, the secret is me time. Ah. Okay. So and they go, what do you mean? I'm getting married. I'm going to spend the rest of my life with my wife. I, I get it. I know you are. And, and you know, and, and I'm hoping that you, you're able to do that. But when I say me time, your, your wife is going to need time to do those things that only she can do or, you know, or that, that really physically and mentally benefit her, right? So you got to do the same thing. Whether it's, you know, throwing the weights around or riding a motorcycle or, you know, riding a jet ski or whatever it is, if those are the things that you do on your own, you have to take that time. You have to do that, right? So, yeah, absolutely. Just, I like that. Yeah. And that's, that's also one of those things where it's like sometimes – back to the jet ski thing real quick or yeah. it's like or or track and field or i'm sure being a first responder sometimes when you're doing something that is a big job sometimes being martial arts mm -hmm. you know this too where sometimes relaxing a little bit or taking the like the sometimes doing less is more yeah. that's what i'm trying to say is where like for example we get there on the jet ski you would think okay going uh 20 to 30 is my sweet spot out right. there in these massive waves going to catalina no 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 30 to 40 is your sweet spot you start to hit 50 guess what now things <laughs> start to yeah. bounce you start to go exactly. and now it's really smooth whereas like so sometimes just relaxing and kind of trying to get into that flow yeah. is really the important space to be in oh, and, no, absolutely yeah that's awesome well i definitely appreciate you coming on the pod i think we have more than enough than what we need and maybe we can just chat off the pod a little bit for a couple minutes that and then good. Uh, we're good how'd you think about it though so, like I said, the first podcast I've done. Yeah. Um, it's a little weird having the uh, the microphone in front of me and everything, uh -huh. but yeah, it's really nice, really really cool. You like the flow of everything. Yeah. Did a good job as a host. Oh and, yeah, uh, Made you feel nice and comfortable. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Well, like I said before, we close it out. I hope to have you on again real soon, and I hope you had a good time. And uh, 
yeah, thanks for coming on and being a great guest and talking about the importance of being prepared and just letting us into how you see things. It's right. one thing for me to say it or have, like I say, theories about it or what's going on. But when you really come on and have an expert confirm it, that's when things get real. You know what I mean? Well, thanks so, for having me, Venture. Of course. Yeah. And we'll have you on again real soon. And peace out, guys. See you later. <laughs>